Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so, 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 so very thankful to you that we belong to you and you are our gracious Father. We thank you, Father. You know we are gathering today and you already prepared for us. Father, we trust you for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and understanding that all that you have packaged for us today, we shall willingly and gladly with a heart of gratitude receive and be willing and obedient. And all the praises and glory will be returned back unto you. Thank you, merciful Father, for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Our topic today is um, generosity brings prosperity. Generosity brings prosperity. Our text is taken from Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 and 27. Proverbs 11, 24, 25 and 27. 24 says, Generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Living your life seeking what is good for others brings untold favor. But those who wish evil for others will find it coming back on them. It will take somebody to cause you not to understand what the Lord is passing across to us. It's so straightforward. Generosity brings prosperity. And then 25 says that um, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped. You know the word heaped? Heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings not to get, but just for the benefit of others. The Bible says, uh, will be saturated with favor. You know what the word saturated means? You will be soaked. You will be drenched with favor. And then living your life seeking what is good for others will bring untold favor. You can't, you can't even explain it. Untold favor. Amen? Let's look at it in, um, in an AMP. In AMP, verse 24 says, there is the one who generously scatters abroad, which means he's not just limited to his immediate family, but others, and yet increases all the more. And there is the one who withholds what is justly due but it results only in want and poverty. 25. The generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered. 
reaping the generosity he has sown, the one he or she has sown. 28, he who leans on and trusts in and is confident in his riches will fall. But the righteous who trust in God's provision will flourish like a green leaf. The righteous who trust in God as his provision and gives where there is need. He said he or she will flourish like a green leaf. Generosity. That's just kindly giving out, not expecting anything back, especially where there is need. You just simply open your hands to meet the needs, to make others happy. And this kind of giving is not the type that, for instance, you know, like the Bible said in Proverbs 3.28, it said, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, then I will help you. When you have it with you and you know that there is nothing that that resources is going to be used for immediately, but there's a, a need, you say, and you're saying, come back tomorrow. For instance, somebody is asking me for $20, and I know I have $40 in my bag, and there's no immediate need for that $40. And I say to the person, well, come back tomorrow. That's what he's talking about. And God is so well pleased with such sacrifices when we do good and don't forget to communicate. That's what he said in Hebrew 13, 16. So, this is our God. This is the word of God. And we have just sung his word is yea and amen. When we know that he's God almighty, the one who made us, whatever he tells us to do is just for our own good. It's not for his good. God doesn't need money in heaven. The streets of heaven are paved with gold. It's for our own good. That's why he's telling us. And Jesus knew about this. And that's why he said in John 5.30, he said, I am able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, because he's God, as the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. I just simply follow him, whatever he wants, wherever he leads. And he said, and my judgment is right, just righteous, because I do not seek it. Is, I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. Only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. I remember he told us, that God is so pleased with such sacrifices in that Hebrews you know, 13, 16, when we don't forget to do good and to communicate. That's make it practical. We sang now, he, he became obedient even until death, and God exalted him and gave him a name that is above all other names. Remember, Jesus, in Colossians 1, verse 15, he is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and the originator of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him, including you, including myself. So, if you follow the Father, how much more should we? He said, and in him all things hold together. In him, your life holds together. In him, your family holds together. In him, your resources hold together. In him, whatever you stand for holds together. He is the controlling coercive force of the universe, 18. He is also the head, the first source and leader, the life source and leader of the body, the church. He is our head. He is the life source and leader of all of us as the body of Christ. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything, including your life, including your health, including your children, including your resources. Amen? And he said we should, the Bible said we should glorify God with our wealth. Glorify God with your wealth, with my wealth. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Say, glorify God with all your wealth. Not even some, all. Because in any case, he gave you. Honoring him with your first fruits, with every increase that comes to you. Let's all read verse 10. Ready, go. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Wow. Don't you like that? Every dimension of your life, every dimension, your family, your children, your resources, whatever, your business, will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. So we are being encouraged to really put him first in everything. And the Bible said in Romans eleven sixteen 16 that, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. If the first fruit is holy, the, whatever it is, put him first. Think about him first. Consider him first. What will he have you do? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 to 19, it said, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart, all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. For in all your, way, in all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. In all your ways, in everything that you're doing. And he will make your path straight and smooth. Removing obstacles that block your way. Even if you're doing well, you can do far much better when you follow his ways. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seemed right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of destruction. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent hour and obedience and turn entirely away from evil. It will be held to your body, your marrow, your nerves, your sinuses, your muscles, all your inner parts and refreshment, physical well-being to your bones. When 
you will follow his ways. There is this kind of joy that comes, the joy and fulfillment that comes in knowing that you, do, you did what is right. I mean, I love it, you know. It gladdens my heart when I know I did what I should have done. We have such a generous father. Remember, he gave first. He gave us Jesus. And now today, through him, we've been brought into this place of glory. He, through Jesus, he brought many sons and daughters to glory. And God wants us, his children, to also be generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Now, remember this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to others. Not sowing to get. Not sowing so that you impress anyone. Not sowing so that you will be commended. But sowing so that blessings may come to others. Will also reap generously and be blessed. This is the word of God. Let each one give thoughtfully and with a purpose. Just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance wow, to you so that you may always under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. Being completely self-sufficient in him. Self-sufficient in everything. Being completely self-sufficient in him. Understanding and seeing him as your source. And have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. As it is written and forever remains written. He, the benevolent and generous person, scattered abroad. That's again the Proverbs 11 where we started. And he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It is written and forever remains written. Nothing can delete this from the world. Ten. Now, he who provides seed for the sower. Remember, see, all this is referring to the sower. Now, he provides, who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing. That is your resources. And increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in active goodness kindness, and love. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous, blessed to be blessed. That's who we are. And this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. There are lots of times I receive, we say, oh God, please bless this person. Father, please, Father. Sometimes I will lay bare on the floor. What do you think will be at the mind of God? 
my daughter is so happy. And then the, the father looks, oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that person. The same thing goes for you. When you're made glad, when those in need are made glad because of you, they may not even know you. The father traces their joy to you. He traces it to you. Because he's, he's happy that people are saying, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service offering is not only supplying the needs of the saints, God's people, but is also overflowing through many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Everything, every time people, you, you give and people receive and they are happy, they are saying, they are saying thank you to you and they are saying thank you to God, who is the source. So generosity is really an act of worship. We are just, it's a, it's, it shows a heart that is surrendered to God, that knows that God is their source. It shows the person who manages his uh, resources here on earth, understanding that God is the source and is doing it with integrity as somebody who is going to give account to the Father. And Luke 16, 11 said so. He said, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world, the things of the Spirit? Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use, when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. Amen? This is the word of God. It's self-explanatory. And Galatians 6 verse 7 says, God will never be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. Still the same thing with Luke. And verse 9 says, And don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. So you don't say, I gave yesterday, but I gave last year, but I gave. You say, don't allow yourself. Which means it's not God. You say, it's you that have to choose. Don't allow yourself to be weary in planting good seeds because there's a harvesting time. Verse 10 says, take advantage of every opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters and the family of God. Don't allow an opportunity to sow pass you by. Mark 9.41 says, For I tell you truly, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to and bear the name of Christ will by no means fail to get his reward. Simply because you are a child of God, and somebody ministers to you. God Almighty said, this person will not miss his reward because this person has done this in my name. I will certainly reward that person. Galatians 6.6 6 says, 
The one who is taught the word of God is to share all things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. This is the word of God. Thank God in this church, we have different people teaching. So when you minister to your teachers, this is the word of God you're, you're fulfilling. I know a lot of times with the women, when we are doing something here, some people bring bananas, some bring oranges. Some, so we all eat together and people are happy, giggling. That happiness, that joy, don't you think, even if they don't know who brought it, you made a child of God happy. You made people happy. You ministered to your teachers. We have so many teachers. We have home fellowship teachers. We have uh, Sunday school teachers. We have main teachers. We have different people that are ministering to us in different capacities. Whatever you do to minister to them, the Bible said you're honoring God by so doing, according to Galatians 6. 6. And Paul admonished us, the church in a... In a in Titus 3, 13 and 14. He says, do everything you can to help Zenas, the lawyer, and Apollos with their trip, their missionary trip. See that they are given everything they need. Sometimes we are called for a help with the missionaries or those who are ministering to people in other countries. He said, verse 14, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others then they will not be unproductive. You don't want to be unproductive. You want to be productive. So giving also helps and makes you productive. And the Bible said in Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So if day and night shall not cease, this is day, and very soon will come to night, so also is uh, giving will not cease, and harvesting will not cease. So we are not to be weary in doing well. Ephesians 6 verse 8 says, Knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, whatever good. So when we follow the principle, this principle embedded in the word of God of giving, being generous, whatever good you do, God says you will receive it. And for quite some time now, God has been encouraging us with the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law, you shall meditate therein that you may be careful to do according to all that is written there. And they say, you, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's so easy to prosper and so easy to, have, to be successful when you choose to go to the word of God and follow the word of God. Because in any case, all things that pertain to life and godliness has already been made available to us. That's what the Bible said in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. But the Bible says that uh, it says that it comes through the full personal knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. True, full, personal. So you have to go to the word of God to know what the word of God said. If you don't know it, that like the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You find yourself limiting yourself unnecessarily, whereas God has adequately provided for you. 
And in this giving, it's important we know we have to follow our heart. It's between you and God. Follow your heart. I'm talking about your inner man, your spirit that is born again. Galatians chapter 6, 4 and 5 says, Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what is right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. You don't have to give to be affirmed by anyone. But your joy will be in doing what is right and being yourself. Verse 5. Every believer is ultimately responsible for his or her own conscience. It's between you and God. It is between, like we read earlier on, you give as you have purpose in your heart. Amen? Here, the gospel costs money. And that's why... God also encourages us to give. And that's why he told us in a Exodus 23, 15b, he said, none shall appear before me empty. Why would God say none shall appear before me empty? Somebody will say, but I don't have. There's nothing like that. Because God said all that pertains to life and God, I have given to you, unless you're not a child of God. So on purpose, you choose not to appear before God empty. I learned this when I was much, much younger, growing up with my mom. That woman didn't know how much. Uh, didn't even pass elementary six. Was only peeling a goosey in a melon. And then we put it in one, one kobo on the table. But she was always making sure that before it's Sunday, she had hid something that she was going to give to each one of her children and what she was going to give. And I believe all that sewing helped her with the training of her children when she didn't have the money to do so. Wisdom makes a hard choice now so he can feel better later on. Carnality does what it feels like now, but is full of regrets later. Choose to yield to the wisdom of God by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 2 says, A wise man's heart turns him towards the right, which is the way of blessing. But a fool's heart turns him towards the left, which is the way of condemnation. You don't want to go and say, oh, I should have. I should have. Follow the wisdom of God, which means follow your born again spirit. The wisdom we are talking about is the one that comes from the mouth of God, according to Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores away sound wisdom for the righteous. Those who are in right standing with him, the righteous, the born again. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, those of honorable character and moral courage. Talking about his children. Think of it. We owe everything to him. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For whom makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And you treat it like as if it's your private property. I wonder if anyone was born into this life with a suit, wearing a suit. Or maybe you, born, you were born into this life with a, a $1,000 in your pocket. 
there was nothing like that. John 3.27 says, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. A man, a woman can receive nothing. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. He's the one who gives you power. He's the one who gave you the health. He was the one who gave you the wisdom, the intelligence. Everything comes from him. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lies, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. We are custodians of God's wealth. Material treasure is a stewardship. And we must do what the owner wants to be done with it. This means we have the responsibility to be listening to the owner's voice and follow his instructions with his goods. It is his goods because we came in nothing with nothing. That's why Romans 8.14 for the believer says, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All who are allowing, it's up to you to choose when the Spirit of God prompts you or to choose not to. All who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. They are mature sons of God. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, God promised that I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. His eye is the Holy Spirit. His eye is the word of God. It's important we give as God has prospered us. So you don't look at A or B and say, A gave one dollar, therefore I have to give one dollar. Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So it's up to you. It's up to you. And remember what Proverbs 23.5 says, without set thine eyes upon that which is not, for riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Riches, they make themselves wings. I know somebody very close to me became so rich Became, had much, so much money, you know, driving one of the best cars in town at the time. But all of it, bought so many houses here and there in different places. All of a sudden, just overnight, this man came to zero. That now he had to depend upon others to help him. You need the wisdom of God to help you manage his resources, his goods that he gave to you. Now take, for instance, the issue about Titan, which dates before the law. The Bible said in Genesis 14, 18 to 20, it said, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, that's he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand? And he gave him a tithe of all. Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. Melchizedek blessed him. And Abraham gave. Blessed to be a blessing. That's Abraham. 
And we are Abraham's seed, Abraham's seed through faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, if you look at Galatians chapter 3, the Bible said in verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek. That was before the law. And by faith in Christ Jesus, we are automatically Abraham's seed. If our father gave tithe before the law, that was under grace. We are under grace. We, his children, should also be given tithe. The Bible said of Abraham in Genesis 12 to that, he said, and ye shall be a blessing to a blessing, a great, a source of great good to others. That's a Genesis 12 to the lower part of it. So that is describing you and I. We are blessed to be a blessing to. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. We are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. It's because we are united with Christ. That's why we are Abraham's seed. You know, one of the questions they ask us at women's conference is, should we now stop paying tithe because we are under the law? We are no longer under the law. There's nothing like that because our father Abraham gave tithe under grace. Now, let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, the promises in the covenant we are decreed to Abraham and to his seed, seed, God does not say, and to seeds, descendants, heads, as if referring to many persons, but as to one, and to your seed, who is none other than Christ. 17. This is what I mean. The law which came into existence 430 years later. 430 years later. After the covenant concerning the coming Messiah does not and cannot invalidate the covenant previously established by God so as to abolish the promise. No. So you can see the law was, came 430 after. But Abraham gave tithe. Verse 18. For if the inheritance of what was promised is based on observing the law, as these false teachers claim, it is no longer based on a promise. However, God granted it to Abraham as a gift by virtue of his promise. Why then the law? What was its purpose? It was added after the promise to Abraham to reveal to people their guilt because of transgressions, that is, to make people conscious of the, sin, of the sinfulness of sin. People began to live anyhow. Nobody was giving God tithes offering. People were just doing things anyhow. So in order for God to help them, God brought the law. Just like you have children. Because they are not matured yet, you have to give them some boundaries. 
You have to give them some laws. But as they, the more they get mature, the more you're losing up in those areas. That's what God did. So he said that this had to continue until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made, which is Jesus Christ. That's the lower part of verse 19. So God's love for us is constant, tight or not. Whether you pay your tithe or you don't pay your tithe, God still loves you. He will never stop God from loving you. The only thing is that when you respond positively because of the love that God has for you and because you love him, you short circuit the devil. You block him from, you know, you know, messing around with the stuff that belongs to you. The blessings of Titan freely flows to you too. So, we, we would one say, well, because we are no longer under the law, therefore, I, I have to kill. I have to steal. When you do that, you, you will know the consequences that will follow after. You don't want to do something. So that we are no longer under the law does not mean that you are now free to just do things anyhow. What is written is written. The word of God is still true. Whatever word you submit to, the blessings that tie to it will be your experiential portion. But so long as you do it under grace. Amen? And again, you know, when you don't do things God's way, it, it affects your faith. It dulls your faith. It makes you lose boldness to come boldly before God to receive at a time of need. And that's one thing you don't want to do. There's always something we can give if we purpose to. Like I gave an example with my mom, my late mom. And again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 to 5, uh, Paul said this. He said, beloved, beloved ones. We must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. For I can testify that they spontaneously gave, not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. They were begging, please allow us to give. They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. First dedicating themselves fully to the Lord. That's a surrendered heart that understands that what I have belongs to him. The Bible said we should overcome evil with good. Poverty is evil. Lack is evil. So, even in their poverty or lack, give. You dare the devil. You rub the devil on the nose. When you give, even in those times of difficulty, that's a... Romans 12, 2, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. And James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When you know these things that the word said, it's important that you respond in obedience. God said to try him now. And I want to tell you that my family, we really did. Before, we were living in abject poverty. I mean abject poverty. We could use one small titus fish 
and we will cut it into two and use one part to make stew and one part to make soup for a whole week. That will give you the picture. But one man of God, when we approached him, we needed prayer. We waited after service where we gave our lives to Christ and we said, we needed you to pray for us because we, we are in abject poverty. One of the, that, his name is Akande, I remember his name, bro, Akande. He was a bank manager at the time. He said to me and my husband, do you people pay tight? He said, what is tight? And the man explained to us. He said, excuse me, sir, you don't understand what we are saying. We don't even have to eat. The man said, go ahead and give. He said, excuse me, sir, we barely even got here today. The man said, just go and obey what the word said. Malachi 3.8.12 said, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Ye are caused with a cause. For, like a senior pastor taught us on, on Thursday, it's not, God is not putting any cause. But any word that you are not living by, you simply open the door for the devil for you. It's not God. And God does not want his children to suffer. And that's why he was telling them one way to checkmate the enemy. Do this, and then I will rebuke the devourer. And he said, you are caused with a cause, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Wow, what a challenge. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So the man said, just go ahead and do that. So we did. When we did that, boy, it was a different ballgame. It changed from 100 naira to 1,000 naira to 10,000 naira to millions. I don't have the time to begin to explain how it happened. But my beloved husband began to get stuff. Before then, he will go, he, he read pharmacy, he will go and buy you know, some medication. By the time he will be back, the thing would have flooded the market that the prices will crash. A lot of things were happening. Our children were always very sickly. So money began to flow in. And we said, wow, this thing works, so it works. So we said, let's increase it to 15. So we changed from 10 to 15%. And the thing was still pouring in. It was still pouring in. And then, because it was running to millions, you can imagine the tide that the thing is increasing. It's a boy. Did God really say 15? Let's just keep it the 10 that the Bible said. You know, because, you know, because what we were giving now was, was becoming too much. So we figured that, no, it's getting too much. Because the, our own, you know, so we choose 
to cut it back to 10%. You know what happened? Like the Bible said that riches, they make themselves wings and they fly away. The thing just gradually, gradually. We went back to square one and we began to pray. But meanwhile, we were still paying 10%. But things began to go from bad to bad and bad. That is, began to get worse. Please don't write that in your English. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So one day, Pastor Fasherete was preaching. We went to, because we are praying, say, God, we've been faithful in giving our tithe. Why, is things, why are things tightening up again? God, you just have to help us. So one day, Pastor Fasherete was preaching and used this scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? That day, me and my beloved husband, we repented. We said, God, please forgive us for all the extra 5-5% that we didn't add. We're going to go back to 15%. And when we began to go back to 15%, it came back again. We began to flourish. We began to flourish. And from that flourishing to God making way and us coming to America. And when we came to America, we didn't have the dollar. So we didn't have to give the 10%. Even though we started church, we are... We were really faithful at giving the 10. We forgot what happened when we made a vow and we didn't keep. And things began to get tight. And I said, God, I told you I didn't want to come to America. And you said we should leave our comfort zone. We are here now, Daddy. We barely eat. You just have to help us. One day, they were having a women's conference at the church. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Toscara Inn, but they had it at Philadelphia. So I remember Mrs. Gallicus. They had all the pastor's wife with her. And then, uh, so when we gathered at our own workshop, she said that we should all take any position of our choice and just begin to worship God. We should begin to worship God. I laid down. I tried to worship God. Each time I opened my mouth to worship, I was crying. I will shut my mouth again. I try to open. I say, God, you say I should worship you, but we don't have food. Somebody paid for me to be here. What was I doing? Complaining. Somebody paid for me to be here. They came and carried me. We didn't even have money. My children, they don't have any food to eat. And you brought us here. So how will I begin to worship you? And all, all of a sudden, what I had is, was like somebody was behind me and said, Give me the sacrifice of praise. I didn't even know that was in the scriptures. That's a Hebrew 13.5. It said, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I didn't even know it was in the Bible until many years later. 
It's a sacrifice of praise. So I just began to say, oh Lord, I worship you. I, I was lying down. The place, the rock where I was, was soaked with tears. I give you the praise. I give you the glory. I was just worshiping and worshiping until when we stopped. You know, when they said we should now be quiet and listen to what the Spirit of God had to tell us. So when the hopeless was silent, all I heard was, bring ye all your tithes into my storehouse. Bring ye all your tithe into my store. I said, I said, Daddy, but we are giving you, we are giving you 10%. Now he kept on repeating. I said, Oh, that was when my mind went back to the experience we had. When we cut back from 10, from 15 to 10, he said, You made a vow. Keep it. I came back that day and I told my, my beloved husband, I said, Okay, love, we just have to go back to 15%, whether we have food to eat or not. He agreed. Because I was the only one working at the time, and sometimes they will call me only once in a week, substitute teaching. Sometimes they will call me twice in two weeks or twice in three weeks. So the, whatever came for us that week, he paid tight, 15%. It was a Sunday that we came back from the conference. That's... Uh, Sunday evening my beloved brother my younger brother came to us and said Obi uh, you should take this hundred dollar to buy rice I gave it to my beloved husband he ran out it was that Sunday it was the same Sunday he ran out to the all these uh, shops around he bought milk he bought bread and we were able to enjoy ourselves that evening and then two days later my beloved brother, my husband, why is this in query? He's not here today. Okay. He came. On Tuesday, he came. He said, my wife, you should take this $200 and buy something. I gave it to my beloved husband. Hey, we say, this thing works. So it works, it works, it works. Praise the Lord. And then on I think it was on Wednesday or the same Tuesday that Gallegos called my beloved husband. I said, uh, how are you going to pay your rent? And from there, they put him in a salary of two weeks, $200 every week. The same week, Orange Board called me to be doing substitution every day. And while doing that, I now got this SS County job. And it has been flourishing ever since. And we're not about to go back to what it used to be. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Bible said in the book of Psalm 37, it said, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord opposes him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful, talking about the righteous, and lends, and his descendants are blessed. This is talking about us. 
Our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And even Malachi 3, 6, where we read, said so. Genesis 28, verse 15 says, Behold, I am with you and will keep careful watch over you and guide you wherever you, you may go. And I will bring you back to this promised land, to all the promises that the Lord made. He said he will walk with you and make sure that you get there. He said, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. But your job is to cooperate with him. I can't begin to tell you how my beloved brother Dave, when I shared this testimony for the first time when we were at Orange uh, 170 Central, one time he came to me and he said to me, Pastor Dorothy, this thing works. So we began to practice it and it's working so much for us. So many of you at our women's conference were also there when my precious sister, the wife, was sharing untold testimonies of the faithfulness of God because of the tithing in their family. This thing works. Tithing is under grace. So long as you do it by faith, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. We are children of God, children of Abraham, who did it under grace. And whatever is not of faith is sin. So we have to do it by faith. And this faith works through love, understanding of the love that the Father has for you. So whether you do it electronically or do it here in the house, make sure you write it, you pray over it, and you declare all the promises that God said that is your portion, whether it's your offering or it's your titan, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Proclaim. Let the love of Christ compel you to do what the word of God said. For he died for all. And those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them. That's what he told us in a in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15. Remember, Christ is now your life. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives, you know, through me. So whatever the master says, you just simply do it. Let's not be robbing God. Not under law. God is not going to bother you. And God said, whatever you're bringing to me, check it out with your leadership. If they will accept it and bless you. So check it out with them. Remember, Jesus is the one that we are giving our tithes to. He's our Melchizedek, for he lives forever. He has made us priests and kings to our God. So we are giving for him, and we, every sheep has a shepherd fold. And every you know, shepherd oversees a sheep fold. So you bring it to the church, where you are fellowshipping, where you're being fed, your tithe should go to the church where you belong to. But your offering should go anywhere you're fed. You follow the leading by the Spirit of God. So even Jesus in Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the Lord, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the order undone. You say justice, mercy, and faith. That is talking about the new covenant. Even though Jesus was still there, has not yet gone to the cross. 
So, we have to remember that we are under grace. So, the, the tithes and the offering, the shepherd of the church along with his helpers who are chosen in this church, we call them our council members, they disburse whatever comes in. Even the pastors, the shepherd of the church also gives himself. Everybody gives because we are all kings and priests to our God. And then they now agree on what, how it has to be used. And then they now have to give us account at the end of the year. So don't bother up them. You see, the Bible already told us that whatever we are doing, we have to reap the reward of faith. Amen? So remember, again, in Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Those things will never cease. Let me make this clear. John 12, 24. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. So your seed has to leave your hand and you consider it as death. He said, because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. And then I will close with this scripture, Matthew 25, 37 to 40. This is what we'll be saying to the Lord when we are done here. He said, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And then, and when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it for me. Amen. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? I know God must have spoken to you. I want you to, you know yourself, I know myself. It's between you and him. It's between you and him. We shall be willing and obedient. For he says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Father, we thank you. You are very faithful. Father, the word that you have implanted into our hearts this afternoon will take deep root, will be our fruit, and we shall continue to return all the praises and glory back unto you. We have a willing mind. We are doers of the word and not hearers only. And we shall be blessed via the manifestations of our giving lives. We give you the praise and we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.